0: So, Ross, on June 28, 1991, the Grateful Dead played Mile High Stadium once. I, I looked it up. I thought they had played there many times, but they played Mile High Stadium once. 85,000 screaming fans, and I was one of them. See, the night before, uh, a friend of mine, Dan Guthridge, and I were sitting out with some friends on his front porch, where the goal was to be able to buy a case of beer for five bucks. And we would meet Tuesday nights and drink, have fun, tell lies, and, um, you know, contemplate going to things like the Grateful Dead just on the lark. The show had been sold out for months. And Dan and I just were thinking that we were going to get a miracle. That's kind of a Grateful Dead thing. We stood in line uh, to get tickets, uh, you know, some, like, will-call tickets kind of go come back up for sale. And this guy came up to us and said, here's two tickets for $20, and we got a miracle. We walked into the stadium and, you know, handed it to our tickets to the ticket person, and they were like, oh, you need to keep going, you go down to the lower level. So we went down to the lower level, and about midway on the lower level, we walked up to that lady, and she said, oh, you keep going down. we got down and we're like maybe about five rows away from going out onto the field. And that lady says, you're out on the field. And so then we walk out and we're thinking like, we're going to be in the back row. And, uh, and they're like, no, you keep going forward. And so we go and we end up 20 rows away from the stage for 20 bucks. <laughs> the show started, I want to say, about four o'clock in the afternoon, Ross. Santana opened and played for like three hours. One one song. No, no, no. Santana played a full set, like three hours. Then the Grateful Dead came on at about like eight and played one song <laughs> until about two o'clock in the morning. Uh, show ended. I'm gonna say at about maybe one, one thirty. And um, out in certain parts of the parking lot around the old Mile High Stadium, there was like a carnival of sorts is the best way to explain it. People making grilled cheese sandwiches to raise money to go to the next show, selling beer illegally, of course. Forgive me, God, for I bought one. <laughs> Going in, so in this carnival area, as you kind of walk in, but at every entrance into the stadium stood parents holding a poster, a full-size poster, with a picture on it. Have you seen my son? Have you seen my daughter? After the show, these people kind of come in mass right before you get to this this pineapple area. You have to navigate your way through them to get to the grilled cheese sandwiches. Holding signs. Have you seen my daughter? Have you seen my son? It was good night, and I've been to a lot of concerts, probably a lot that I've forgotten, but I remember that show. It's the Grateful Dead. But the thing that I remember the most is those people holding those posters. Have you seen my child?
1: wisdom and courage for interpretation, and wisdom and courage to apply the truth of Scripture to our lives. It's a risky thing for a preacher to preach about money. I'm not a risk averse. (laughs) Jesus talked about money more than anything else. A a fellow pastor of mine said, the problem is uh, we talk about money in church less than we talk about sex. And we don't talk about sex. (laughs)
0: I'll
1: talk about both. I don't care. In church growth movement, which is like this thing where like gurus come around and they tell you how to get your church to grow. They'll say, say this and don't say that and talk about this and don't talk about that. And create a seeker-friendly environment, which means like basically soft-sell Jesus to people. Almost a bait and switch. If you can tell that I'm cynical about it, you're correct don't like the church growth movement. I like to be upfront and honest about things. I don't like surprises. I don't want to feel like I can't trust what I'm seeing and hearing or especially what I'm part of. And so I just want to be very upfront with you that last week and this week and for the next two weeks, I'm going to be talking about money. So if you want to be that person that's like, I don't go to that church anymore because the preacher all he does is talk about money. You are free to leave. <laughs> uh, that was good. That was good. I'm not, I'm not at a loss for words off I was about to say that in three weeks, but. And sometimes our stuff and our desire for more keeps us from doing our job. I got to go this last week to Messiah Valley Christian. Ken invited me to come and talk to the juniors and seniors there, some of the juniors and seniors there, about what it means to be a pastor. And um, one of the things we ended up saying, because only a few of them were like, yeah, I'm kind of interested in ministry. And so I st- had some time to talk to them about vocation, and you've heard me say before that voice and vocation come from the same root. And that when we're really fortunate, our vocation is our job. But sometimes we have a job that allows us to do our vocation, and we know we found our vocation when our life speaks, when we're open and we feel free like, this is what I am, and this is what I do, and this is what I want my life to be about. And have a vocation, but sometimes our stuff and our themes and our desire for more and our desire for the next Grateful Dead show gets in the way of us doing our vocation. Well, Stuart told me that story earlier this week, and he had told it to me once before, but when he told it this week, it like hit my heart. Because if we don't do our job, they win. And I want you to hear me very clearly. They're coming for our kids. They are coming for our kids. And it's our job, whether you're a kid or not, to make sure they don't win. a phrase that's become popular over the last three to five years and kind of hit its peak maybe a year and a half ago, FOMO. Does anybody know what FOMO is? FOMO is the fear of missing out. Those deadheads who got lost and their parents didn't know where they were had a bad case of FOMO. They were afraid they were going to miss out on the next trip, figuratively and literally, to the next Grateful Dead show. Because the best show is always the next show. And then everybody wants you to believe that about everything. The best one is the next one. That way you keep reaching for the next one. Because if you don't, you're going to miss out. But we do it too. Did you know there are people who make a lot of money called influencers? That's their job. And if you are on social media, you are influenced by them. Especially if you follow anything that has to do with your hobbies and the things you like. So I am influenced, I can tell you right now, I am influenced by people who hunt and fish. And they post things on social media, and I start thinking, I need to get a new fly rod. I need to go there and fish. Man, if I can draw a tag in that unit, I would to get a bull that's that big. If, if I could do this, it's, it's just this constant, if I could, if I had, if I would. And the worst part of it is, I think one of the ways they come after our daughters is if you ate this, you would look like that. And if you did this, you would look like that. And you know our kids, our daughters, and women, you know this as well as anyone. It's real. They're coming for us. teaching, it could be knitting, it could be making quilts, it could be brewing beer, it could be any of the hobbies that you have. There are social media influencers who are getting paid to influence you, and we let them. And they they play off of our fear of missing out. Last week we talked about we're on this side of the fence, and what we want to do is become really generous, extravagantly generous, not just with our money, but with our money. It's not only about our time. Steve said the thing that he wants more of is time. Well, guess what? Steve gives a lot of his time away. But the thing that most of us want more of is money. And what happens is the fear of not having more money, the fear of missing an opportunity to make more money causes us to be greedy which causes us to stay on this side of the fence. And so we took one picket off last week. And we said, if we can remove the picket and be selfish, we get one step closer. And one of the ways we do that is by becoming grateful for what we have. Have Anybody ever been eating crackers? Anybody like crackers? Have you ever eaten some crackers and you're like, what I really need, though, is more crackers? you have more crackers and you're like, I'm glad I got these crackers. I need some more because these crackers don't just satisfy. You know what I'm saying? It could be chocolate chip cookies and I know what you're thinking. <laughs> <laughs> we expect the things to satisfy us that don't satisfy us. And so we go for more of them and we go for more of them. But the picket that I would like to take and smash this week, if I could, is this one. The fear of missing out. The grass is not greener on the other side. There are spots that are greener. But this is our side of the hill. This is the one that God has given us. This is the one where we can sit in the green pasture that God wants us to sit in and be satisfied with what it is that God has for us And when we're content, and we don't live in fear of missing out on the next show, or the next whatever it is, we're free. And we're free to give of our stuff because we have enough. We have enough. We don't need more crackers. We don't need more chocolate chip cookies. We have enough. I want to talk a little bit about what happens when we have a bad case of FOMO. First off, if you're a college student, you get really angry. There's something going on at home, wherever you're from, you see something, something's going on there, and you miss those times you had with your friends, and you miss that stuff you had going on with your family, and you just want to quit and leave. I got FOMO so bad when I was in college one time that I was listening, it was old then, and it's really old now, I was listening to Bob Seger, <laughs> And there's one particular song that I was like, i want to do that. I'm going to quit everything and buy a motorcycle and just ride. And when I run out of money, I'm going to work at a bar or work in road construction or something, and I'll get enough money, and I'll get back on my motorcycle, and I'll ride again. And that would have been so stupid. My mom and dad were embarrassed i to mean, I'm say I'm It would have been so stupid, but I had this fear that like I was missing out on something that a song caused within me. And I was homesick, and so I was open to almost any option. It prevents us from living in the moment. If I'm with my family, and I'm enjoying this time, and all of a sudden I have the fear that I'm missing out on something else, I want to go and do something different. That's how affairs happen. What we have isn't enough. We're not satisfied, so we want more crackers of the thing that's not ultimately going to satisfy us. We're not content with what we have we miss the moment we're not with our kids or we're not with our spouse we're someplace else maybe in our minds maybe on our phones maybe on the computer maybe even watching a game playing a video game but we're not right there with them doing what we need to do which is be in that moment so we can be generous and give ourselves away fomo will make us bitter also there are people that i graduated from high school with who they just barely graduated. Like, I am not kidding you, the day before graduation, they were taking a test and hoping that they would get a high enough grade to get a D in the class so they could walk in graduation and they're millionaires. I'm not bitter. It's so weird though to think like, I did the stuff I was supposed to do most of the time, hard to preach this with my parents here because they keep me honest. (laughs) Most of the time, I did what I was supposed to do. I did my schoolwork. I I was attentive to things. I went to college. I graduated. I got a graduate degree. I will never be a millionaire, but I'm not bitter. Most of the time, I see their houses and the pictures they post on it. when we start having that kind of bitterness, we hoard our things. I'm gonna get more, I'm gonna get more, I'm gonna hold on to everything I've got. I'm not giving anything away, I've got, I'm have got. i gonna get mine. If they didn't do their work, if they didn't take care of themselves, that's on them, I'm getting mine. But here's the thing, it gets in the way of us doing what we are supposed to be doing, church. There were 90 people brought to this city this week who have no home there's nothing they can do about it. Like they're trying to escape a a horrible situation and they came here with no home. We need to step in that gap. But our FOMO holds us back from doing it. There are people walking around in this town right now who don't know this basic Methodist Wesleyan Christian theology. God likes you and God loves you and there's nothing They think that they have to do the right thing and grip tight and stop doing the wrong things and I can stop. I can will myself to do this because this is what God wants me to do. And they don't understand that they open their hands and open themselves up. The Spirit of God will transform them. And we know that. But we hold on to our stuff because we want more. And we forget. sure other people have it. I've seen what you post on social media. I do it too. I get really proud of something and I want to share it and I want everybody else to be happy with me, but I don't think about what that might be doing to them. But the truth of it is, in the long run, FOMO makes us lose focus. We lose focus on what is most important, and they're coming for our kids. Because if our kids get it, it just keeps going, and it keeps going, and it keeps going. And we've got it, but we can protect our kids from getting it by breaking the chains. So how do we do that? First off, we quit chasing crack. We don't care. We're not trying to be satisfied by the thing that's not going to satisfy us. We reach deep and we figure out what's, what we really need to be satisfied, and we go for that. Secondly, we trust God. I believe this most of the time. Sometimes it's really hard for me to believe that God gives me everything God needs for me to have to do what God wants me to do. God wants me to do some things and God gives me what I need to do that. It's hard to believe that sometimes. In my head, I know it, but it's hard to get it into my heart and that's where we need to be working hard because if we can understand that, that we have a mission and we have a purpose and God has equipped us to do that, everything else is fluff and we can give it away and share it at will. But the problem is we hold it because we don't trust God very much. To me, it's a social justice issue. I get fired up and I like a good fight when I get to stand in the gap for someone else and our church, is a church that is called to stand in the gap for people who can't. And so we collectively have got to get our heads right and our hearts right so that we can become more generous and break down this fence so that we can become the church that stands in the gap. It is not, all this preaching I'm going to be doing over the next few weeks is not about Morningstar's need to receive more money. It is about the giver's need to give more. Do you understand the difference? I'm not trying to fund a budget. When I was in the church planting world, there was a phrase that went like this. I'm not planting a worship service, I'm planting a church. We're not here for this, we're here for that. And to do that the right way, we have to tear this fence down and get on the side of being extravagantly generous with our themes so that we can follow and do what it is that we need to do. Because these pickets, they come off. And God has given us the strength to remove them. This is not about the church's need to receive. It's about our need to give. Amen. We have a need within us, whether we recognize it or not, to give of our time and our talent and our treasure. Because we will be free to live into our vocation at that point as a community. And I want us to do that heartbreaking to see people stranded out there when we can walk with them. Let's walk with them. And let's do it